Good morning to everyone. Let's go ahead and get started. Uh, <clears throat> turn with me, please, to Leviticus 13. We noted last time, stopped here last time, and we saw that the Old Testament sometimes makes a correlation between ritual impurity, in other words, uncleanness, and moral uncleanness, especially uh, that passage from uh, <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 1, 16 and 17, is especially clear about that. Of course, we have several examples of this in Scripture. For instance, uh, Miriam, we looked at, at that passage, uh, that she became leprous after she rebelled against God's order <clears throat> with uh, her and Moses. All right, so this means that God's instruction of Israel about being <laughs> fastidious concerning ritual impurity should remind us about the corresponding important aspect of being right morally. So that's what we want to center in on. That's what's applicable for us today. Now, today we're going to talk more about ritual impurity. We're going to see that that ritual impurity resulted in people being unable to worship at the tabernacle. And that was highly important to God's people in the, the Levitical framework. Uh, because We take it for granted that we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, and we don't have to worship at a place. Rather, we can worship God because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, Paul says. Nonetheless, we have to remember that to be cut off from tabernacle worship meant, wow, you didn't get to fellowship with other people. You were excluded from the camp of Israel. You had to go live outside the camp. It was a brutal thing to be declared unclean. So let's take a look at some of the ways that uh, we could be declared unclean or the, the Old Testament believer could be unclean. And what we see is that many of these aspects uh, were not a result of sin. They were simply what happened to them in life. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon tells us that uh, everything in life is hevel. It's vanity. But what is vanity? Uh, it is everything in life can be frustrating. We can want to do right, and yet something can happen if we're an Old Testament believer that is completely beyond our control, and it results in the frustration of being declared unclean and excluded from tabernacle worship. So in chapter 13, Moses addresses what most English versions translate leprosy. Okay, the Hebrew word is zaragnath. 
And, and what we're going to see is not only can a person develop this, but the clothes you wear can, can make you unclean. The house you live in can have Zaragath. Obviously, this doesn't mean what we normally think of as leprosy, as Hansen's disease. So, Elmer A. Martins in the Theological Word Book of the Old Testament, volume 2, page 777, states that Zaragath refers to two possible imperfections. Eruptions on the skin, or mold and mildew in clothing and houses. What do those two things have in common? The, the mark that, de that develops on your skin, or a spot on the wall of your house. By the way, this concept of the house is showing that what the Lord is instructing Moses is to be valid when Israel gets to the promised land, and they conquer the promised land, and they live in houses. Back in the time of the wilderness uh, journey here, they didn't live in houses, that because it describes how uh, the house is constructed of stone. It's plastered over on the inside. That was not something that Israel was doing when they were in the wilderness, obviously. So this is looking to the future of Israel. And so what do they have in common? What, would, what can we understand about Zaragath? And about the only thing I can come up with is that they mark something that is not the norm. Okay, what's, what's normal skin look like? It looks like skin. It's uniform. It's, uh, you know, no problem. A while ago, I noticed on my forearm a place where it was red and a little bit, you know, un unusual. It wasn't all that big, maybe this just, uh, you know, a little bit, but it was noticeable. It was bugging me. So during a regular checkup with my general practitioner, I said, what, is you what do you suppose this is? And he said, oh, looks like maybe something that needs a little bit of cortisone cream. So he gave me a high-powered cortisone cream prescription, and I used it diligently and I went back to see him. He wanted to check up on it again. Still there, no better. Actually, it didn't even look any worse. So he said, well, why don't you go see a dermatologist? Now, the dermatologist is like a priest. He examines the spot. And he has this little uh, hand lens that has a battery-powered flashlight on it. And he gets down there. I don't know how many power the hand lens is, maybe 10 power. And he looks up and he said, that is a superficial basal cell carcinoma. I said, uh-oh, that doesn't sound good. Well, we've got a modern way to get rid of stuff like that. So he said, well, let's go ahead. I'll biopsy it just to make sure. But I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Biopsy came back. Yep, that's what it is. So the time came when I went in, and 
He injected my arm with uh, an ant, you know, a, a thing that made it so your skin didn't bleed when he cut it and made it so you couldn't really feel much of anything, which was kind of weird, actually, you know, because here comes a sharp scalpel and he's digging away, you know, layer after layer and, and you're sitting there, that ought to hurt, but it doesn't. This is weird. Uh, <clears throat> and so he got rid of it and sewed me back up, stitched it back up, put a bandage on it, and hey, instant cure. <laughs> Haven't had any trouble with it after, since. Well, for the average Israelite, though, what we see when we start looking here at uh, uh, Leviticus 13 is that there wasn't really anything they could do. The purpose of the priest examining this uh, individual Israelite is not to cure him, not to say, oh yeah, this is what you have. As a matter of fact, commentators argue all over the place about what kind of diseases are described here uh, in Leviticus 13. But the point of this is not to be diagnostic in the medical sense of our current medical view or to offer a cure, there was only one thing the priest could do. He could either declare you tahor, pure, or tame, impure. Only two options there. And can you imagine when the, when the priest would declare you uh, tame, you'd have to go and live outside the camp of Israel? You're going to be praying and, and hoping that whatever it is, spot clears up. It's, uh, it's frustrating because you didn't do anything to become unclean, yet it just happened to you. And remember, the purpose of all these laws of purity and impurity is to develop a spirit of discernment. And if things develop and you end up with this, this spot that won't go away, you must report to the priest and have it examined. Uh, and then you just entrust yourself to the Lord that you don't spend the rest of your life in this unclean state. Martins concludes that obviously leprosy is not the same thing as the modern medical term Hansen's disease. Modern leprosy is caused by a slow-growing bacterium, uh, Mycobacterium leprae. Symptoms sometimes take as many as 20 years to manifest. Often it was sooner than that, three to five years. But basically... Hansen's disease is not very contagious at all. <clears throat> Symptoms, uh, you know, it could take a long time to manifest themselves. Leprosy can be cured, at least in modern times, by a protocol of multi-drug therapy. And often <clears throat> just simply causes numbness in extremities. Uh, and then when somebody develop a kind of numbness, they can suffer injury and not feel it, 
And that, that injury can multiply and even cause deformity. So what we're not talking about here is not leprosy in our modern idea of the word. So let's take a look here in, in chapter 13. <clears throat> Notice, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into the case of Dalrigneth on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his, of his sons the priests, and the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of his body. And if the hair in the deceased area has turned white, or the diseased area has turned white, and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of Zaragnath. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the spot is white in the skin of his body, and appears no deeper than the skin, and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest shall shut up the diseased person for seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day, and if in his eyes the disease is checked, and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up for another seven days. So now we're up to two weeks being shut up. And the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And if the diseased area has faded and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only an eruption. He shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the eruption spreads in the skin after he has shown himself to the priest for his cleansing, he shall appear again before the priest and the priest shall look and if the eruption has spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is Zaragnath. All right, so when we read this sort of thing today, we think, wow, why all this material about something that the Old Testament believer couldn't do anything about? Well, the Old Testament believer could have hidden it, not allowed anybody to see the spot, and he could have gotten by, maybe, with nobody discovering it. But if he were a faithful Israelite walking with the Lord, he would go before the high priest or one of the high priest's sons, and he would have it examined because he needed discernment about whether that disqualified him from worship or not. Now, what is this disease in these, in these verses? Uh, basically, it seems like it might be psoriasis. Uh, psoriasis is getting more and more common in the U.S. Last year, there were over 3 million visits to doctors uh, to treat psoriasis, which is an inflammation usually resulting in some raised portion of the skin. Nobody knows for sure what causes it. Uh, I think the, the medical idea here is that the person's 
uh, natural immunity has gone haywire and the immune system has attacked that part of the skin. <clears throat> so it turns red, it's raised a bit, and develops a white, scaly uh, surface. It's kind of shiny. Um, I'd ask how many people have ever had psoriasis, except uh, you probably don't want to admit it here. Uh, okay, yeah. <clears throat> a couple of my grandchildren have developed this along the way, and it's been challenging to get rid of it. Uh, a psoriasis can manifest for a period of time, kind of go away, be in remission, and then come back years later and give the person fits again. It's, it can be itchy. It's an it's not something that's very nice to look at, and uh, it's, it is abnormal. It's not like normal skin. So this is what then the, the Israelite would have to be concerned with. Now, if that weren't bad enough, verses 9 through 17 describe a condition where that maybe psoriasis, develops what uh, the Hebrew says is living flesh. That, we think, means something like raw flesh. It's raw and bleeding. This can happen when people who have psoriasis begin to scratch it, and uh, they'll, they'll scratch off the outer layer, and then you have multiple places of small bleeding in that spot. Now, if, a, if the Israelite would show himself to the priest, he would be declared unclean without any two-week waiting period. He was automatically unclean if the thing was bleeding. All right. Anybody, can anybody think why that bleeding part would be important. Why did that make you instantly unclean? What does Leviticus 17 say about, the, about blood? The life of the flesh is in the blood. <clears throat> and so it was a, a highly impure thing from the Lord's standpoint that the person would develop this bleeding sore. So, that would result in immediate uncleanness. Uh, then, uh, third, we have skin, uh, an examination of skin associated with scars or burns. That was susceptible to, even today, that's more susceptible to the development of psoriasis, and so that's a whole separate thing in verses 18 through 24. Then, if that's not enough, verses 29 to 37 uh, talk about skin disease of the scalp or the beard. Most Israelite men had beards, and uh, just the other night on all creatures, great and small, guy had a pet turtle, and he brings it to James Harriet and the, and the vets there. Anybody watch All Creatures Great and Small? It's really a nice program. And uh, so they begin to look at it, and then 
And then one time, James notices that the turtle's owner is scratching his beard. And he takes a sample, and the guy's got fleas in his beard. So uh, right away then, that would have been uh, declared, that guy would have been declared unclean uh, for sure. But uh, this is, this is a, I mean, you start multiplying the different ways you could manifest this Zavragnath. And I mean, by the time we're done with this chapter, we're saying to ourselves, good grief, there were a dozen different ways you could be declared, could be declared impure. Next, in verses 38 through 39, you might have an area of your skin lacking pigmentation. Your skin in that area is just snow white. We call that leukoderma. And uh, sometimes it can be even major patches of your skin. I met a guy one time, and uh, he had these white patches all over his face, all over his arms, all over his, uh, his uh, hands. <clears throat> he was just full of these white patches. Well, when you show that to the priest, typically these things are not raised, they're not inflamed looking, they're just lacking pigmentation. That would not result in your being unclean. Next, baldness. Oh, yes, you could have Zavragnath on your bald head. So, wow, nothing wants, you're not having anything to do to prevent it. Uh, that could make you unclean. Then uh, we have a description of the treatment for those with Zavragnath. And it's, let's go ahead and turn to uh, chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. See what a long chapter this is? On and on and on. The frustration builds over things we don't have any power over, uh, <clears throat> that only the priest himself can discern what is whole and what is not whole. All right, here we go, verse 45. The leprous person who has a disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Tame, Tame, unclean, unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Now, sometimes, you know, in our modern world, we get sick and tired of all the bustle and the hustle. We like to maybe go camping in a beautiful, pristine wilderness area, be all by ourselves, and we'll sit there in our campsite and we'll say, isn't this great? Nobody's around. We're just by ourselves. Uh, Friday, I went out to change out the battery in one of my cell cams out in the Sumter National Forest, and I spent most of the morning and most of the afternoon out there wandering around in the beautiful Sumter National Forest, 
All the leaves are off the trees. You can see a long way. It was it just you marvel at, at all the challenging terrain. Uh, I, at one point, I was probably 100 feet elevation below the road in that I walked. And it was just, it was just great. No one around. It's only me and the squirrels and the deer and the turkeys. And uh, just wonderful. Uh, had my bear spray. Had my nine millimeter in case a bear presented itself. But typically, you don't have to worry about black bears. They, they're not going to attack you, generally speaking. <laughs> but I'm ready if one does. All right, so we like being alone out in the middle of nowhere. But um, this was a terrible thing for the Israelite because it symbolized being cut off from the covenant that God had made with his people. Cut off. Have to, have to wear your hair completely unkempt. Kind of like one of the Robertsons, you know, on Duck Dynasty. Uh, and then with your clothes torn and with your upper lip covered. What was that, by the way? Those three things were a sign of what? Does anybody know? Mourning. Like when somebody died, uh, people would tear their clothes, wear their hair uncombed, un, un, uh, and would cover their, their mouth, and they would, they would mourn. That was a sign of grief. So here's this poor guy or gal, and uh, they're, they're just really, uh, through no fault of their own, separated from everything and everyone. They're separated uh, in, in, symbol, in symbology from worshiping the Lord. This is serious business. All right, so here's uh, what happens then. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. And not only can this uh, take place uh, on your clothing or on your skin, but as well on your clothing. Verse 47. Let's take a look at that. When there is a case of leprous disease in a garment, whether a woolen or a linen garment, in warp or woof of linen or wool, or any skin or anything made of skin, if the disease is greenish and reddish in the garment, or in the skin, uh, or in the warp and woof of any of the article made of the animal hide, it is a case of Zaragnath. It shall be shown to the priest, and the priest shall examine the disease and shut up that which has the disease for seven days. Then he shall examine the disease on the seventh day. If the disease is spread in the garment, in war the warp, excuse me, or the woof, or in the skin, that, that animal hide, whatever be the use of the animal hide, the disease is a persistent leprous disease. It is unclean. He shall burn the garment 
or, or the warp or the woof, the wool or the linen, or any article made of animal hide that is diseased, for it is persistent leprous disease. It shall be burned in the fire. And then it goes on, talks about uh, leprosy, quote unquote, of the house. All right, so here you are in your house, and one day you notice, you know, that looks weird, that spot on the wall there. Could that be something like mold or mildew? Now, nobody's going to cultivate the growth of mold in their house. Uh, as a matter of fact, whoa, back, back a while ago, uh, we had a mold problem in our seminary office at BJU. One time I was in Brian Hand's office, and he showed me the ductwork that, that they had tapped into to try to remedy this problem, and there was black mold, creepy-looking black mold. I mean, the whole HVAC system was Tom A. And although it didn't affect some people, it did affect others. I thought to myself one day, why is it when I come into my office, I'm not, you know, I have no problem with with allergy or anything. I get into my office, I sit down. Ten minutes later, I'm blowing and sneezing. Uh, I, I mean, I, I've, I feel bad. What, what's going on here? Well, it's, it's because I was at least semi-allergic to black mold. And it's not good for you, typically, to be, to be exposed to this. So there was something of a hygienic reason here uh, for this kind of, of uncleanness. But what happens is if the priest looks at it and he declares it unclean, then you uh, try to treat the spot. So sometimes that would involve scraping that part of the plaster from the inside of your house. And if the spot was on the stone, on the wall of your house, you'd remove that stone, you'd take it outside the camp to an unclean place, dump that, get a new stone, bring that, fit it into place, and hope that cured the problem. What would happen if it spread and started growing on all the stones on the wall of your house? In the worst case scenario, the priest would say, time to demolish your house, cart all the stones away, and start over with the building and the replastering. You talk about frustrating. That's about as frustrating as things can get. And so the best I can tell is that all these problems that would develop with a person's skin or with their clothes or with their house it was just another instance of what Solomon says is Hevel. And since of all of life can be frustrating and not like we thought things would turn out, and many times the word has the idea even of disastrous. A friend of mine uh, owns a, a bed and breakfast inn. As a matter of fact, 
several years, it's been declared the best bread and, bed and breakfast inn in the Pacific Northwest. Linda and I were thinking about going out there on a trip. It's been on our travel bucket list for quite a while. And, th and then they had a cold snap. And while this friend of mine and his wife were at church, the sprinkler system pipe in his attic froze and sprang a leak. What happens is when uh, water gets to approximately four degrees centigrade, it begins to expand rather than contract. And it can burst pipes very easily. Did anybody have a burst pipe in this latest cold snap we had? I mean, it's... And so while they were at church, hundreds of gallons of water dripped down from their attic thoroughly soaking and ruining everything on the third floor. And then that seeped down to the second floor. And that seeped down to the first floor. And then it ended up in the basement. Thousands of gallons of water. They're having to practically rebuild the interior of his inn. It's going to take probably a year to fix it. Now, put yourself in the place of my friend. How frustrating is that? But notice, please, that even when someone or something was declared unclean, and the person would be outside the camp or suffering the consequences of this, he or she was always hopeful that the problem would, would uh, improve. That somewhere in the future, he or she could represent themselves to the priest and be declared clean. Then there would be sacrifice, appropriate sacrifice, and they would be restored to the worship system. Always hope. What a, what a wonderful thing that there is always hope. All right, so here we have this term, Zavrgnath, and uh, most com commentators say it's kind of a generic term, like inflammatory skin disease or like mold or mildew in a garment or a house. Now, we've already observed that the Hebrew word can describe unusual marks on clothing and the walls of a house. These inanimate objects obviously can't develop a human disease like leprosy. So the conclusion is that Zavrgnath refers to any inflammatory skin disease that is not normal. Anything that's outside the norm. Mold in a house, as I've mentioned, can be quite threatening to human health. So it was imperative that remedial action be taken immediately. Ultimately, however, the intent of these laws dealing with leprosy was not strictly hygienic. Any more than I argued that the laws of unclean and clean animals you could eat 
The intent of that was not hygienic either. So what was, or what was unclean required decisive separation from what was holy. And that's the point we want to camp out at. God's people, I say here, they were about to dispossess the Canaanites from their very advanced culture. They were wicked in their lifestyle morally. They were wicked religiously. They were idolaters. And God had been patient with them ever since the time of Abraham. Remember, God had told Abraham, the iniquity of the Amorite, standing for Canaanites in general, is not full. But when it is, I'll execute my judgment. So what happened? Under Joshua, the wrath of God was visited on the Canaanites. And the command was, kill every single last one of them. What does that sound like? Genocide. But in this case, this isn't something they decided to do. They were simply the agents of God's judgment on on this class of people. They were told, kill every last one of them. Make sure that you aren't attracted by their wicked idolatry. Well, why is it that that God's people would be attracted to this? Basically because this idolatry was the idea that if we worship Baal, he'll do lots of good things for us. He'll make our crops prosperous. He'll cause us to have a multitude of of, uh, livestock. He'll bless us financially, agriculturally. Life will be prosperous. It was the ancient version of the health and wealth gospel. All right? God says, no, no. I'm not putting up with that. With that, you need to discern the, uh, the, the supreme command to distance yourselves, to separate yourselves from every aspect of Canaanite wickedness. All right, we're going to begin next time with a question. How does this apply to us today? All right, so if you would cogitate on that during the next week, we'll see what you can all come up with next week. Let's pray. Our Father, we're thankful for your word, for the instruction of it. Help us to be thankful for every section of your word. Whether or not it's difficult to understand, even difficult to apply, help us to always be praying and and asking you to give us understanding for the, the principle that applies to our lives today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.